horrific crimes. As a part of his sentencing, family members of his victims were welcome to come to the courtroom that day and speak directly to him. As you might imagine, the venom and hatred directed at this killer was justified and continuous. Until one dad stepped to the microphone. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victim's relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's going to go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and it is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. Wow. Last week we started a conversation about forgiveness, about forgiving, being a forgiving people. We looked at Romans chapter 12 and we saw that avenging wrongs that have been committed us to us and, and, and uh, the things that we love, people that we love, is God's job. He is the avenger. His ministry is, is avenging wrongs that have been committed. As believers, as followers of Christ, the only thing that we're to do, according to Romans chapter 12, is to repay evil for good. <coughs> repay our enemies for good even if they committed evil against us. We said it's not easy. It's counterculture. But that's what we've been told as believers to do. And so this morning, I want to continue the conversation in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to continue talking about forgiveness. And what it looks like, what we're commanded to do, and how... Where to do it? Where the power comes from. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, the last two verses in the chapter say this. <clears throat> Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. So Paul says if you have any anger, if you have any bitterness, if you have any slander, just put it away. Just get rid of it. Don't let it dwell in your heart and in your mind anymore. Just get rid of it. If you have bitterness, get rid of it. Slander, get rid of it. Anger, get rid of it. Malice, get rid of it. Just put it away. Get rid of it. He's, to which we would say, whoa, 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 just a minute. Just a minute, Paul. You, you haven't heard my story yet. You, you don't know 
That whenever I was six years old, my dad walked out the door. And he never even called. And you're telling me that I'm supposed to get rid of the bitterness that's been dwelling in my heart? And Paul says, yep, get rid of it. Whoa, wait, just a second, Paul. Paul, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you don't know, you don't know my story. You don't understand that. In ninth grade, when it was the most important, when your reputation mattered to you, and that, those girls, they talked about me, they lied about me, and I have never been able to gain my reputation back. That's been hiding in my heart. In fact, I built a greenhouse so it would grow that, that hatred I have towards those, those, towards those girls. Because they did me wrong, Paul. So don't, don't just say get rid of it, Paul, because you don't know my story. You don't know where, where I've been. You don't know what led to this. Paul, whoa, whoa, whoa. I only get angry at things that matter to me. I only get mad at people that matter to me. I trusted her, Paul. And she took advantage of my trust. I can't just let that anger go. I mean, I, if I didn't care about her, she didn't matter to me. I mean, this is just between me and you, Paul, because I don't want anybody else to know that I care about her. But I wouldn't be mad if I cared about her, if I didn't care about her. So, Paul, I can't just, I just, just can't let it go like that. I can't just put it away like that. I mean, I'm mad for a reason. Paul says, let it go. But just a minute, Paul. My, our family unit was intact. And she decided that somebody else was more important than me and my siblings and my mom, I mean, and my dad. She hit the road. And it blew our family up. And you want me to, you want, you want me to get rid of the bitterness? You just want me to get rid of it? Yep. That's exactly what I want you to do. Paul, I, I loved my job. And the new boss came in. He didn't know. I blood, sweat, and tears for year after year after year. And he showed up day one. And he fired me. I cared about that job, Paul. And you're saying I'm not allowed to be mad about it? I can't be mad at him about it anymore? Get rid of it. Put it away. Paul lists all these attributes, and then at the very end, he, when he says, along with all malice, he says, if I've missed anything, I'm going to give the most generic word, the most generic term of anything, as far as ill will goes towards anybody else. And you're to get rid of that. So you've got bitterness, you've got wrath, you've got anger, you've got clamor, you've got slander. And if I've forgotten anything else, I'm going to give the broadest term as far as ill will towards an individual. I'm going to give the broadest term that I can come up with in the Greek language. And you've got to get rid of that too. If there's any ill will hidden in your heart, if there's any ill will hiding in your soul, if there's any ill will that you have in your mind, you got to get rid of it. I don't know about you, but that slander is a hard one for me sometimes. Because somebody will say something to me. And an hour, two hours, two days, two months, two years later, I'm still thinking about that conversation. And if I could just have it again, I have the perfect comeback. I will set that man down. Because <laughs> I got the perfect comeback now. 
And Paul says, stop having that conversation with yourself. Get rid of it. Put it away. Now, it's at this point that I think we can all agree that Paul would be an absolutely terrible counselor. Because after all, I can, I can imagine, I walk into his, into his office, and I sit down, and I have my perfect story to tell him. I, I have been wrong, and I'm about to convince him of it. And so we sit down in his chair, uh, in his chairs in his office. I, I sit down, and I'm just making myself comfortable. And Paul says, before you jump into your story, I know you've got a good one. I'm sure it's a good one. I just got to ask you a quick question. Do you have any bitterness in your heart? I mean, have you, has somebody done wrong towards you? Has somebody treated you poorly? And, and not very many people know about it. But if the conditions are just right and the, the right people are in the room, that bitterness erupts like a volcano and there is collateral damage to anybody that's in the room, that, to anybody that's close. Do you, have, do you have any bitterness in your heart? I mean, are you harboring any ill will towards somebody? And it, very few people may know about it, you think. But if the conditions are just right, it erupts. You have that in your heart? What about you? You, you want wrath to fall on, on somebody that's done you wrong? Are you, do you have anger, clamor? Are you, having, are you having conversations with yourself trying to figure out the perfect comeback when you were disrespected in front of a lot of people? And, and just in case, just in case, is there just any ill will? Do you have any ill will towards any human being to which we respond in Paul's office? Well, I'm, I'm a human, yes. But I'm, I'm sitting here. I, I didn't get this counseling session for nothing. Yes, Paul, I have bitterness. Yes, I have wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. Yes, I have Malice, I have ill will towards that individual. Paul says, I'm sure your story is compelling. But you just need to get rid of it. You need to put it away. Thanks for coming. Make sure you pay on the way out. Our natural tendency when it comes to issues such as that is if you just heard my story if you just knew how I was wronged if you just understood my kid was made foolish by that person and they need to be repaid if, if, if you if you, Paul, if you just understood my story, if I could just tell you my story, you wouldn't discount my bitterness and my anger so easily. Paul says, I don't care about the story. It's not that it's not important. It's not that, it's, that, you're, that you're hurt. It's illegitimate. But the bitterness that you harbor, the anger that you keep, the conversations that you have with yourself are only destroying you. 
And because of that, you got to get rid of it. I think Paul brings credibility to this particular conversation for two reasons. Number one is this. He did not write this from Cancun. Paul was in a prison in Rome. Most theologians think he was under house arrest, chained, handcuffed to a guard 24 hours a day. Every few hours, a different guard would take their turn, handcuffed to Paul. And he was in this prison, he was in this condition, he was handcuffed to this guard because the Jews, his former friends, had had enough of his proselytizing, had had enough of him talking about this new man named Jesus that he met on some road to Damascus. The Jews were tired of it. And so they had him arrested. And the Romans, the people that he was a citizen, or the, the empire that he was a citizen of, went along with his former friends to get him arrested. All the while, his new friends, the Christians, the people, the followers of the way, were not coming to his rescue. They were ignoring him. They weren't sure exactly what to do with him. They weren't even sure they trusted him yet. On top of all that, Paul really had a legitimate excuse, a legitimate argument, a legitimate story that could even, him, even make him mad at God. Because after all, life was going well until he met him on the road to, to Damascus that one day. Things were going well. The, the road was paved for Paul. He was headed to the top of his given profession. And then Jesus interrupted, and things went down from there. And Paul, under those conditions, says, if you've got any bitterness, anger, malice, you just need to get rid of it. And I'll even invite you into my life, readers, church at Ephesus, you can examine my life with a microscope. You can examine my life with a telescope and anything in between. And you will not find bitterness, malice, anger, slander, clamor. You will find any of it present in my heart, in my mind, and in my life. I got rid of it. That's the first reason he brings, I think, he's compelling and has Credibility to lend to the conversation. Number two is this. He seems to think that it's possible. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I'm not always sure that it's possible. I mean, I've been hurt deeply enough, and I know some of your stories, and you've been hurt deeply enough, that it doesn't seem necessarily possible to get rid, completely rid, of all of this stuff. We have been wrong too deeply, and for too long. And yet Paul says, there, that this is a possibility. This is a legitimate possibility. You can get rid of all of this stuff from your life. It's possible. To which, I would ask, and you would probably ask, how does that happen? And Paul tells us in the next verse, verse 32, instead, instead of being bitter, instead of being angry, instead of having conversations with yourself, and slandering individuals. Instead of that, I want you to be kind to one another. In the Greek, that's one word. 
And it means, it's kind of gross, but it literally means to have strong bowels, to have intestinal fortitude, to be strong, to stand firm, be kind to one another. Do it. Stand firm. Have intestinal fortitude with a tender heart. Forgiving one another. And we know that word forgive is a financial term, which means that the debt has been forgiven. The debt has been paid. It's held over your head no more. It's held against you no more. The debt is forgiven. And there's nothing left to be owed. So Paul tells us, instead of being bitter, instead of having anger towards individuals, instead of of harboring ill will towards people, instead of that, stand firm with a tender heart, forgiving one another, forgiving their debt, holding against them no more. We say, Paul, that sounds great, but it's just not practical. And he says it is, if you understand That God has forgiven you in Christ for much more. That God, as God in Christ, forgave you. Paul says, the natural tendency of our hearts is to lean in the direction of bitterness, of anger, of slander, of malice. But he says, believers... Followers of Christ. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb have given their lives to Christ. Instead of doing that, instead of leaning in that direction, which is the natural tendency, which is where we go in our own power, in contrast to that, I want you to stand firm with a tender heart, forgiving those who have done wrong to you. Forgiving those who have wronged you to the core. Forgiving those who have ruined your reputation. Forgiving those who have unjustly removed you from a job. Forgiving those who have given you a bad name. Forgiving those who have wronged you. Because Christ has forgiven you for much more. You have been forgiven for much more. Paul is basically telling us this. The only way to forgive is to be forgiven. And those of us who have been forgiven can do nothing less than forgive those who have wronged us. The deepest hurt, the deepest pain, the deepest wrong, Being taken advantage of of, in the worst possible way, financially, physically, emotionally, can only be forgiven when we understand what we've been forgiven of. Paul is basically telling us this the only way to get over bitterness is to move your focus from the one who has hurt you to the one who has forgiven you. The only way to move your focus or to, to, to move past the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the anger 
is to, to move your focus from the one who has hurt you to the one who has forgiven you. And forgiven you for far more than you'll ever have to forgive other people. This morning, if you sit here and you don't know Christ, I think this is great advice, but the truth of the matter is, you don't have the power to do this. I mean, the only thing that I could really, the only thing that I could really tell you to persuade you is this. The thing that you've been wronged of, you really could never get back anyway. The days, the, the relationships, the months, so stop trying to get that back. Because you can't do it anyway. But really, beyond that, you don't have the power to move beyond the bitterness and the anger. Because you don't understand what it means to be forgiven and to be forgiven much. But if you sit here and you know Christ, you're a new creature, a new creation. You've been bought by God's blood. The admonishment, the Encouragement, the command of God's word is to shift your focus from the one who has wronged you, however deeply it might be, and shift it to the one who has forgiven you. Our forgiveness really has three points, I guess. The number one is this as believers, as people who know Christ, who have been forgiven much, we are number one to forgive freely. Our, our forgiveness has no strings attached. Our forgiveness cannot be paid for. Our forgiveness cannot be dependent upon what others, those that have wronged us, do to us. It is offered. It is given freely. Number two, it is our forgiveness is given fully. We're not, we're not hiding any place in our hearts that's going to harbor anger, going to harbor bitterness. I forgive you, but, but, I'm waiting for you to do this. I forgive you, but I'll fully forgive you after you give me the money back. I forgive you, but only after you go and tell all of those kids... That what you said was a lie. I'll forgive you, but only after there's reconciliation with dad. I'll forgive you, but only after there's reconciliation with mom. I'll forgive you, but as believers, our forgiveness is not contingent upon any but. It is only fully given because we have been fully forgiven. So our forgiveness is freely, or is given freely, it's given fully. And lastly, our forgiveness is given finally. That's the last word on the conversation. You are forgiven. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's not because you earned it. It's not because you've deserved it. You're forgiven because my focus has shifted from the hurt to the forgiver. So I'm going to ask Phil to come and 
play a song. And while he does that, I want to invite you to close your eyes. And all of us in here have been hurt. Differing degrees, harboring it at different levels. But unless that forgiveness has been offered freely, fully, and finally, bitterness, anger, slander is growing in your heart and in your mind and in your life. It's growing. It's taking a little bit more of a hold of your life each and every day. And it will continue to do that until it strangles you out. It'll continue to do that until it has wrecked your life. It'll continue to do that until your heart is so hard that there's no feeling anymore. And I invite you to follow what God's Word has said. I'm going to shift my focus from the, the hurt, the pain, the one who has caused me so much angst. I'm going to shift it to the one who has forgiven me much by the grace that is offered only through the cross. Dad, you left 50 years ago. I've been holding it against you forever. Ever since then. And you don't, you, you may not even live anymore. You may not even be alive anymore. But I'm still waiting for you to pay it back. And I know logically that doesn't make sense. But in my heart it does. I'm going to wait for you to pay that back. Today, you're forgiven. Because my focus has changed. To the one who's forgiven me. First wife. First husband, you wrecked our family. It's never going to be the same. But today, I'm, you're forgiven. Because my focus has changed from the one who has wronged me to the one who has forgiven me. Seems kind of petty, but girl in 10th grade, I've been hoping your life was a mess ever since, and you're forgiven. I don't know your story necessarily, but all of us harbor ill will. Today, Father, by the power of your blood, I want my focus to change. So take a few minutes, whatever it may be in your life, Take it to the cross as Phil sings.